Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by Gage. Gage is a free and open source test automation tool by ThoughtWorks with a goal of taking the pain out of test automation for acceptance tests. To help with this, Gage supports specifications and markdown, which are easy to read and easy to write. Reusable specifications to simplify your code, which makes refactoring easier and less code means less time maintaining your code. And finally, integration. Use Gage with your favorite tools and IDEs in the ecosystem of your choice, like Selenium and Sahi Pro, CI and CD tools like GoCD, Jenkins, Travis, and IDE support for Visual Studio, VS Code, IntelliJ, and more. Head to gage.org slash jsparty to learn more and give it a try. Once again, gage.org slash jsparty. Welcome to JS Party, a weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. Tune in live on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time during the show at changelaw.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at JS Party FM. And now on to the show. Welcome back, party people. It's Jared here, back again. Two weeks in a row, you get to have me as MC, but don't worry, I am not the only panelist on the show. We also have K-Ball in the house. What's up, K-Ball? Yo, yo, excited to be back. Hey, it's been a while, what you been up to? Breathing smoke over here in California. So if you hear me sneezing or coughing, that's because we're literally breathing smoke. I'm inside, but it's still bad. And for the listener's sake, you are relatively safe in your current home and position, correct? Yes. Yeah, the fires are a good couple hours away from me uh, by driving, so should be fine. Just breathing smoke at, you know, like very unhealthy levels. Well, we are happy to hear that at least you are safe, if not uh, your body, but maybe not your lungs. We have an awesome guest today, a UX engineer at Google and kind of an indie dev. This show came out of the episode that I was doing with Faraz about BitMidi, and on that show I mentioned that uh, we rarely get pinged by indie developers or people who have cool projects that want to get them seen by others. We're most often pinged by uh, recruiters and PR people and representatives for CEOs and such things of startups and a lot of token projects, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, and in light of that, Adam was listening to the show, Adam Argyle, and emailed me and said, hey, I got a thing. Let's talk about it. So Adam, first of all, thanks for joining us on JS Party. Absolutely. I'm so stoked to be here. Y'all are so cool. This is awesome. Well, thank you for that. We think you're cool as well. That's why we invited you on. And in fact, you had a very cool demo on stage at Chrome Dev Summit. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your work. And we'll get into VizBug, which is your project that we're talking about here in just a few minutes. But let's start with you, Adam. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, cool. I've just been building apps in this industry for a long time. Like I uh, was, you know, was hacking on websites before Flash and Flex came around and I jumped on that bandwagon and was building all these big, robust Swifts with robot legs and MVC patterns back in the day. And I got pumped on, um, you know, Swifts and on your native platform. So I was like pushing flash apps onto your iPhone. They were, they were not very good, but I was doing it anyway. <laughs> um, and I'm just a, just a web fanatic. And so I, I happily pivoted into the web and I've been kind of going along with everybody else. You know, I wrote a bunch of jQuery stuff. I still like jQuery. I wrote a bunch of backbone. I'll write angular one. I'll write angular infinity. I'll write react. I don't care. Uh, and that's kind of why I like the tool I build is, is web components at the, if you ask me what I want to use, I want to use the least amount possible. And so, yeah, I'm a UX engineer on Google Cloud. That's kind of a cool role. It's probably worth a whole other conversation about like what that even means. Um, yeah. But here's a little secret. Uh, this, this demo and this tool I built has a kind of, I'm going to be becoming a web dev on Chrome. Or not a web dev, a dev realm. So wow. probably not too surprised is I'm an outgoing weirdo that's passionate about the web. Uh, and I'll be focusing on UI and CSS. So I'll be like the first person that's like, CSS is cool. <laughs> Here, let's build stuff with CSS. Watch me move boxes around. Y'all think boxes are hard to move. And I'm like, no, they're fun. Uh, so that's kind of where, where it's going, where I've been in a decent amount of short time. That was pretty good, I think. 
Very good. So excited about that new position. It definitely seems like you are uh, right in there, as you call yourself, an outgoing weirdo, which we appreciate. So uh, <laughs> you're outgoing. Yeah. <laughs> Love That's that. perfect for our show. Outgoing exactly. weirdo who loves the web. <laughs> yeah, really. Can you come back every week? Um, we yeah. saw you on stage at Chrome Dev Summit. First of all, tell us about that. Let's let's talk about Chrome Dev Summit. Give us maybe even a quick report of like, you know, what the news came out there. We know that your uh, tool, Vizbug, was part of one of the keynotes, but surely there's a lot going on. So can you do the the Chrome Dev Summit report in uh, 90 seconds or less? Yeah, I'd love to. So that demo, I got asked to do that demo like last week. And that was crazy. So the demo gods blessed me. You know, I was practicing. That, that was crazy. That wasn't supposed to happen. The talk was supposed to happen with Jason Miller, and that was going great. Um, and then I was supposed to have a booth in the forum, and, and that went great. Um, and honestly, I uh, this tool's so weird, right? I mean, I call it designer Vim sometimes. It's not as complex as Vim, but it has the same uh, mentality. It's It's modal. You switch to a different tool and your home row changes. In this case, it's not exactly your home row. It's kind of the arrows in your um, manipulator commands. Um, but it's really similar that way. And so I was like, there's no way uh, people are just going to be like, yeah, keyboard. Uh, I thought for sure there was just going to be tons of like, okay, where's the panels? Where's everything that I'm used to? You know, where's the GUI that I can click up and down on an arrow? And kind of if I had built that stuff, I would have never had this tool done in like five months. So I've only been working on this tool for like five or six months. Started out tiny. Anyway, I ended up pitching it to some people on the Chrome team. I was like, where's the, where's the designer tools? And they're like, yeah, we've been there. We tried that. I was like, okay, can you send me what you did? And they're like, okay. And they sent me all these old files and all these old videos and all these old design sprints. It's brilliant work. They were doing exactly what they were supposed to do, but they failed in a couple of really interesting ways. And they sent this email like, hey, uh, yo, if you can... If you can solve this, we're interested. And I was like, whoa, I like have like an opportunity. People have tried something and they failed. Like what? Anyway, so I was driving home one day and basically the massive problem was, uh, among other issues, the biggest one was the documents in flow. So if you're grabbing corners of things and moving them around, it's unpredictable. You don't know what could happen. Um, and so what you'd have a user experience moment where it just went instant jank. And it was like turbo jank. You would add like 250 margin to something. Um, and that was just like, well, okay, that's not going <laughs> to work. And I was just driving home and I was like, man, the arrow keys are each side of a node. Why don't I just sort of like start there? You know, up adds margin to the top, down adds margin to the bottom. Uh, how far can I run with this keyboard thing? And it turns out that little keyboard scenario, there's a matrix of possibilities. And, and, it, and it turns out like each tool that it's geared towards uh, the matrix is like fitting really, really well. Um, and so I pitched higher and higher up at Google and eventually pitched it to Dion Almer, who was the first person to recognize what I was going for, which was a simple tool. Uh, many engineers who see my tool, they go, well, why not make a design tool? Or um, how do I get the code out? Or which is not that these aren't valid questions, but they're basically like in our industry, we reward complexity more than we reward simplicity. Uh, and I get it because complexity is really fun right? It's shiny. We're like moths to complexity, I feel like, as engineers. Um, and so what I wanted to do is designers, uh, I've been a design lead before. I've been a product lead. I've been a front-end lead. I, I make a lot of decisions as a front-end designer. I want designers to make them. I feel like they're the better uh, team to be making these decisions anyway. And so I'd, I'd seen these patterns where I'd sit down with a designer. And I love this because they always like bowed to me like I'm some magician. But they'd be like, can you increase the font size on that thing like two pixels? And I'd go over to my code and be like, bam. And then browser sync would live reload it on their page. And they'd be like, this is crazy. And so I was this translator. And at the end of the day, I was like, after all these years, I've pretty much only translated font size and padding and margin. I was like, how do I just get this into their hands? Because obviously the dev tools apparently is, it is too much, right? If it's your first time popping that open, it does look like the hood of a car or like under the hood of a car. That's really overwhelming. And I just wanted to abstract a lot of those implementation details away and, and let people fiddle. I feel like I uh, took that question and ran with it a little bit. So yeah, Chrome, <laughs> Chrome Dev Summit, uh, it's the report so far. I, I've been so pleasantly surprised because of how weird this thing is I built. I think people understand its value more than they care about the interface. And the interface is, uh, there is a small learning curve, but I'm, I'm telling you like 30 minutes into it, you're done. And at that point, you're sort of flexing its really powerful uh, skills that it has, which are like this multi-select 
Um, there's some multi-dimensional array operations that you can do with it that are super cool. And I'm just waiting for YouTube videos to come out where people are like, watch this in 30 seconds, what I could do with VizBug. And they're gonna be like, multi-select over here, select this thing, do a couple commands and bam, they're gonna have like rearranged this page and restyled it and added it. And you're gonna be like, what just happened? So my tool basically still is surprising me with what it can do. But its original goal was simplicity. That's why you double click to change text. You know, like that, that's so duh. That's why you can drag an image in and it just swaps. Um, that stuff should have been available a long time ago. And I don't know why it wasn't. So it's also kind of funny. Like a lot of the, a lot of the tools functions are literally like the query selector all dot style dot whatever that we write every day. It's so simple the way that it's built under the hood. Anyway. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff in there that we could explore <laughs> in different ways. There's definitely a lot uh, there. I'll so slow down, I, yo. I'll slow down. I promise. <laughs> well, you're excited. That's good. Um, so one thing I actually want to explore a little bit, if y'all are interested, that is maybe not specific to this tool, but is kind of this concept of complexity and simplicity. Because uh, I think one of the reasons we as engineers are often drawn to complexity is that it's actually easier than simplicity, right? Ah, like yes. If, if I, you know, have five different possibilities here, while it may be more like work time to implement all five, it's a lot easier because I don't, then I don't have to make a decision. I just do them all. And I don't have this emotional burden of having to decide what to cut. But when you do that, you end up with crappy products. Uh, right. So in my mind, coming from a dev standpoint, like that's one of the places where I've seen the design perspective often be better. But I'd be curious, since you've worked across you know, design and development, do you find that you know something that designers do a better job of? Or is that ubiquitous? Ooh, great question. Yeah, in design land, complexity. You know, I think that they, they, why did I even say it? I mean, designers, I think, have maybe traditionally been happy in their XY coordinate land. Um, but they're getting bored. And that's mm -hmm. why we're seeing these 25, you know, new tools right now to pick from where it's like developers giving their Legos to designers. They're like, look, come join my complex Lego landscape. I'll give you levers and you can try to use this to build something. Mm -hmm. um, um, and so I think designers are hungry. I think they're hungry just to be more included and to make more decisions, which is part of what I wanted uh, Visbug to do. Yeah. It's also one of the most inefficient uh, collaborative points in in the web stack is that integration between the designer, the front end person, and the back end person. Now, yeah. who if those are actually different people, like the more that becomes the same person, the more efficient the process is, and that's because we have inefficiencies in the integration points between those roles. And so we you say why we see so many new tools. Well, and and a lot of the new tooling, specifically React style applications allow us to componentize and to programmaticize. I made that up. It's a terrible word. Uh, I get the you. design process, right? And bring them closer together. And I, I like your point there that you know designers have been in XY land and have gotten bored. I definitely think that designers d desire to do more than what they have been doing. But also yeah. from a business industry perspective, where there a lot of costs are in implementing your your uh, websites is the integration between those roles. And if we can cut those out or smooth those over, you're saving everybody time, you're saving everybody money, and you're really empowering people in, in all three roles. Yeah. So here's where Fizzbug's a little different. I, I completely appreciate these tools. In fact, I early adopt them. I've been, I just like design tools. Uh, what I noticed though is that these are the most complex design tools that have ever come out, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like, uh, and in the front end world, we're using frameworks that are the most complex frameworks that have ever come out. And I'm looking at all this stuff and I've got a brother who's in school, he's, he's, uh, he's learning, you know, and I talk to designers who feel like they have no power on the web. And I'm like, we just need something simple. Um, and so you mentioned like simplicity means you have to cut stuff. And so that's essentially what I did. I was like, what, what can I do that's simple? Like there's a, there's a Flexbox tool in VizBug and that tool doesn't let you do um, only a couple properties. And I have this 80-20 rule with VizBug. And that was a lot of its early mantra was, if I can do 80% uh, of some tasks on the web with this tool, I feel it's successful. I don't need it to do everything to be successful. There, 
that there's just nothing even available for people like in South, South America or in other like my target. Here's the other point is my target isn't Google designers. My target isn't trying to help big teams scale their uh, their work up. The, the goal is to empower just anybody that that had that normally has a barrier between their mental desire and an implementation detail. Uh, and I just was trying to break break that barrier. It's almost like I I pulled the caution tape off of the web page, which felt like paper that was behind glass. And I've taken the glass off. And it's almost like, hey, these things are tangible. Because the reality is they're not, right? You're not actually c- clicking on design layers. Um, but the illusion is all that I wanted to bring. I know that enough people have Photoshop skills or designer skills. Uh, and then they come to the web and those skills just kind of are gone. And I wanted to port over their mental models and their their strategies and their patterns and just uh, lightly manipulate those models to fit the DOM. Because the DOM is interestingly appropriate as a render layer, um, and it has the concept of groups. So I'd love to explore that idea a little bit more because I, well, to be frank, I'm a little bit of a skeptic. Uh, don't want to rain on your, your parade here. Uh, but there's a kind of this core underlying uh, difference in the way that things are modeled in, for example, Sketch or Illustrator versus uh, in the DOM. So the DOM is fundamentally a tree structure, and your location in that tree has a lot of different implications. Whereas, I mean, I, I'm not a power user of Sketch or Illustrator, but their models, as I understand them, are much more flat. You know, and I can group things, but I don't have that kind of hierarchical tree structure in the same way. Um, and one of the, you know, I, I took a bunch of notes as I was playing around with VizBug. And a lot of the times when I found something that behaved completely unintuitively to me, it had to do with that separation where I was trying to, because it was so visual, I was trying to apply my mental model from sketch, which is very mm-hmm. flat. Um, but then it would jump in a different place in the DOM and totally distort itself and be very weird. Sounds like uh, the move tool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I found that playing with the move tool uh, in particular. Yeah. In fact, it was exactly, I, my note is move is 100% unintuitive. <laughs> Jumps things around the page oddly. A hundred percent K-ball. Come on. It is percentages. Up and down are confusing. Left and right <laughs> are very predictable and you can't really mess up with left and right. No, I totally agree. And uh, the good news is, is I have plans on how to make that the UI provide better feedback so that you're sort of getting something more about what you expect instead of like press a button and surprise, uh, was that what you wanted? Uh, well, there's a plan there to make that better. Yeah. I mean, version 1.0 is obviously going to have a lot of rough edges and you're going to need to do it. But the kind of the, the interesting question to me is like, what is the right model for a tool there? Because those actual underlying implementations are different in a way that matters, right? Like, should the tool be trying to shield that? Should the tool be trying to guide you from one mental model into the other? Like, how do you, how are you thinking about approaching that? Yeah, good call. So uh, I have like a two-part answer, uh, and I'll keep the first part short, which is that a fun way to say what VizBug is, is it's like you're opening up someone else's design file that they superbly organized it. That may be overstating my DOM skills. Or my <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about me there. Okay, well, not you. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. Well, your, I mean, your HTML may be superbly superb. <laughs> I mean, it's good enough, right? I mean, it's like, and it's generally better than what uh, designers do because they're moving so fast. I mean, front end moves fast too, right? So naturally, both teams are a little sloppy. But the mental, the kind of fun part about that comparison is that, yeah, you, you know, you didn't author the file. Right. So when you hit up in the move tool, you didn't you don't even know what the tree structure was. So you're actually just like spelunking and breaking things, which is I think it's fun. But it's also like if you had a goal in mind, it can be frustrating. Um, so it's kind of interesting there. Right. There's definitely every time you launch the tool, if, you, if it's your first time on that page and you didn't author the document, you have a learning curve to just learn the tree structure because somebody did organize it really tightly and a design file could be very similar. Like a very organized designer will have very clean and clear labeled groups and a tree structure, Um, especially if they're using symbols and they have nested symbols and things start to get really crazy inside of Figma as well. Um, You know, they're working towards a similar methodology. I was trying it on my own website. So in theory, I did author that top tree. In, in practice, <laughs> in do I remember how it is without looking at the code? No. 
Right. When it comes down to actually implementation, six months ago, you is pretty much like a complete stranger, right? That's what we learn when we revisit our code or our DOMs or whatever it is, mm -hmm. is like, it basically could have been a complete stranger that wrote this. Yeah. You're just, you're just over there trying to remember your part too. I am. I'm like, I, oh man, yeah, do you remember the question? It might pop it back up. Um, so high level question was like, what should the tool be trying to do? And I think this actually, it relates to some other areas. Like, um, it was some of the things that I noted that were really cool were things like the accessibility notes. And I found that the, you know, the applying shadows and tinkering with those was really interesting and cool how it worked. Um, so like, I think, you know, part of that is going to be what, you know, where are the bugs and where are they not? But part of that might sort of hint towards like, what is the key value prop of a tool like this? Like what are the areas where it's going to be super, super helpful? And what are the areas where perhaps it's a square peg in a round hole? Cool. Okay. This, uh, this makes me want to talk really quick about um, Firebug. You know, they compared it that way on stage because i that's how I pitched it to them. I still think this is the strongest way to think about Fizzbug um, is that it's a uh, inspect, dissect, and, you know, explore and play. And it's like everything that you have about the dev tools, which is not where you go build your website. It's where you go to understand an issue. It's where you go to make a tweak in an ephemeral way. It's where you go to poke and play and tweak and tweeze and whatever. And I'm like, designers don't have that at all. And it's, um, there's no reason they can't. It's just that they don't write JavaScript and they don't really have an open source community type. So I was like, how about I bring something really, really similar to that model where I'm not, I'm not going to compete with Sketch. I, I'm not even interested. I think those tools are phenomenal. Plus you have all these other really advanced tools coming out. I just wanted something that could offer uh, subtleties at first. And so at first it was a nudge tool. You just sort of nudged things. Um, and then um, through research, I was asking designers, I was like, what, what, do you, what do you do when you open up the dev tools? Like, what's your typical task? And they're like, well, you know, I just go look at the font size or I go double check the hex. And then uh, I would look at the extensions that designers had it installed and it was like a ruler and a thing that just told them the font size. And I was like, huh, I can make that stuff just pop up on hover. It's a piece of cake. Um, and so it sort of like snowballed out of me researching what designers were doing. And then I started to give them tools that I wanted them to have because I, I have this mentality that I want designers to make more decisions. That's like, that's like a core, uh, desire of Vizbug is like designers need to be get, to get into the weeds. They need to feel the chaos of production in a different translated language on mobile at 320 pixels wide. And they need to be able to recreate that, simulate it, and poke it and fix it and have a power there. Uh, they need to make more decisions because it's on us right now. It's on the front end dev. And I don't think front end devs like making that decision. Uh, so how do we get them in there, get them in the chaos? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com slash changelog. Move fast and fix things like we do here at Changelog. Catch your errors before your users do with Rollbar. If you're not using Rollbar yet or you haven't tried it yet, they have a special offer for you. Go to rollbar.com slash changelog. Sign up and integrate Rollbar to get $100 to donate to open source projects via Open Collective. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog. So Adam, you, de you described Vizbug as a design tool that makes the DOM the source of truth. Let's explain to people so that they've watched the demo. First of all, demos in the show notes. It's a short video. You can see it in action. That's probably the best way to get an idea of exactly what Vizbug is today. But for those who haven't, we'll describe it a little bit. In detail, first of all, it is a Chrome extension. It is an open source thing today that you can download and try. Puts a little uh, icon in your upper right side of your address bar, just like a lot of Chrome extensions do. You click that on a web page and it pops open a, a palette of tools. K-Ball, you played with this this morning. You want to kind of give the rundown, maybe even what the first use experience of Vizbug is, and we can talk about some of the different tools it offers to designers so that they can actually, you know, get into that DOM, that source of truth. Sure. So uh, the palette of tools at the top, you've got the grid lines or guidelines, um, which is pretty sweet. You know, it lets you just kind of, you select the tool, hover around your page, and it will show you grid lines for whatever you're hovering on. So like 
I went and checked out my website and, and the blog, it's got a bunch of these sort of you know, cards and I can sort of see, oh, here's my clear container of where the central container is. Here's how the cards are laid out. Here's how the images are sized. And it sort of shows me alignment across things and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, continuing down, there's an info tool that just basically you hover and it tells you a little bit about whatever it is you're hovering over. Um, so it'll give you like um, essentially the CSS selector for it, which includes both a tag and some classes. It'll show you, you know, kind of high level the, I'm not sure exactly how it's picking which uh, CSS properties it's oh, showing. Oh yeah, I'd it's love to inject really quick there. Um, yeah. That, that's a, a set that I was like, okay, what are designers interested in and what are they not interested in? So I maintain an object that uh, specifies the properties that I think designers are generally interested in. And that to me is signal versus noise. I just uh, cleared out the noise and gave them a quick signal. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's pretty interesting, um, especially because I've got, you know, in some situations, there are sizes that are sized because they're a size and then they're a relative size to that. But then it's just translating through like I'm seeing, you know, 12.8 pixels on one of my sizes. Ah, that's probably because you got a rem or an M and I'm using Git computed style and it's just turning it into a pixel. I'd like to yeah. actually put rem or M there. I, I, I want designers to use those units. I want designers to use those web units. It's a it's a goal of this bug eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I use REMs pretty much exclusively. So it's, that is exactly what that is. Anyway, so it's pretty cool. It gives you sort of a very quick visual scan of what a, I guess the signal properties are that are going down there. Uh, moving down, there's an accessibility trigger, which this was the, one of the coolest things to me looking at it is it was, you know, it, as you hover over things, it'll give you info about the color contrast and if it meets particular accessibility guidelines. Um, particularly accessibility is an area where there's a lot of missing tooling. I think right now it's too hard. You have to be too much of an expert. And so having this, you know, very quick showing me the color contrast and stuff like that. Super cool. Um, continuing down, there's a move, uh, selector, which as I've mentioned, I found it completely unintuitive to use, um, (laughs) tinkering with it now. Okay. I see what you mean about left and right is a little more intuitive. If I do up Mm -hmm. and down, I mean, part of the weird thing is up down is not the inverse of up. So if I do up and then I do down again, it doesn't take me back to where I was. It just totally S you know, that's, a, that's probably a bug in my move tool. So like what I do is I pop you into the parent when you hit up, but you know what? I should probably pop you into the parent next to the sibling that you left from so that down was intuitively back in because you can hit yeah. up. And then if you hit right a couple times and find yourself next to the other one, you hit down, you'll jump into it again. Um, but yep. you're right. It's okay. very, yeah. it's like you're flying blind, right? You're like, I'm going to hit arrows until maybe I go back to where I was. I don't know. Yeah. I almost wonder, I mean, this is coming to like where this thing could go. Um, but I wonder if as you're doing, for example, move right now, it just highlights the, uh, element that I have selected, but it would be cool to have a slightly different color highlight that actually shows me the relative structure. So I could see those parents. I could see those uh, things because then I can actually vis- I have a more visual representation of what my DOM is um, right now. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I'm I'm working on a layout where I have some columns for structure. And you know this older website is not using CSS grid, so it's using a, a foundation based grid um, mm-hmm. and then interior containers. But to a designer, they're not necessarily thinking in terms of those columns yet. Um, it may not be immediately visually obvious that that's the structure that makes sense there. Um, you know, particularly, I think there's a lot of things that in the pre-CSS grid world we did to implement structures that are quite unintuitive in terms of how they lay out to the DOM, you know, if you're not familiar with that. So, you know, having that visualized in some way as I'm moving things might be useful. Uh, so that's coming. I have a, a branch where I call it like richer DevTools integration, and it and I also call it a second screen experience. So I do have a design panel branch where next to elements, I've put a design tab. And when you click cool. that, you get uh, you pretty much get a blank screen at first, but anything that you select becomes a simple layer tree. So you don't get this full DOM elements list. You get a simplified version that you can twirl open and expand. But its intent is to help facilitate this sort of like what you're saying here is the dom i can't i can't see it i can maybe i could feel it but that's not good enough um and so i agree there's there's advances uh coming here i love this review though this is awesome yeah i'm happy to give a review i love i love playing with tools so um and as you may have guessed i'm a little opinionated on these (laughs) 
Good. Uh, Bring it. Next, coming down to the margin, we have margin and padding tools, which allow you to add margins on left, right, top, bottom. Um, I actually found it, once again, completely unintuitive. It's inverted <laughs> from how I would expect it based on... I tried that. it inverted. I did. Yeah. I actually, like, I undid it, right? So that... Because, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, in a XY coordinate tool... Um, Anyway, I tried it and it was yeah. even more unintuitive. And I was like, no, going back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense because in an XY coordinate tool, if I use the arrow keys, I'm expecting to do what in the web world would be essentially translating. Absolutely. Yes. Um, whereas in these scenarios, we're manipulating our margin and padding. And so if I were to invert to do that, it would you'd have to go into negatives and do all sorts of kind of interesting thing. So I, I definitely see that this is an area where it felt like the medium of the, like what the tool is doing and what it looks like it's doing are not a great match for each mm -hmm. other. Um, and so I don't, I don't really have a, a good sense of the right way to do that. Maybe it's visually exposed the whole box model there. Similar to like, I think what makes that intuitive in dev tools is yeah, the orange you can actually highlights. Yeah, you see those. So maybe we could you could do something where you you know add some sort of background or something there. Um thinking about the implementation for that, it's probably non-trivial to get that to work, um especially if people are using their own backgrounds, but uh nope, I actually think that feature is not difficult. Uh it's it's in my list of features in the GitHub issues. I think it's valuable as well. Um and it's just like another ad additional SVG custom element that we'll place and it'll get sent the, you know, the get bounding rec yeah, to the sense. node that's selected and psh, it could just draw itself. It's, it's really probably an hour or two to get a little proto version of that. So that actually, that's an interesting highlight. So if you're visualizing these things by throwing SVGs on there, I haven't looked at what you're doing. So let me throw up the, I'll throw up the dev tools as I'm playing yeah, this. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, so you're dropping thing. What are you doing? So... So you can turn the dev tools on VizBug, but can you turn VizBug on the dev tools? Interesting. Not yet. Oh, you know what? You will be able to. So like a thing we might eventually get to talking to more is that uh, Chrome is interested in design tools in Chrome proper. Mm -hmm. So consider VizBug a canary that uh, I released to the wild. And we want to observe it. We want to learn from it. And we want to take what people are finding is art's biggest powers and bring those into DevTools proper because there's things that VizBug can't do because it's just a custom element on the page. It has yeah. hit limits. And when I get into the Dev, so I have a meeting later today with the DevTools PM and yeah, and I, there's certain stuff I can't tell you that is crazy exciting. <laughs> just know that there is some, there's some tell stuff us coming. things you can't tell us. Oh, uh, too us late. Things that you can tell us. Oh yeah. Adam, cut that, just, Adam cut that out. Yeah. You're, just te <laughs> you're teasing us. So let me, well, K-Ball digs in. Did you find it? Did you find it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really okay. interesting. So it, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like what you've got is you've actually got a custom uh, component down there, like a web component type thing. Um, that is absolutely positioning the visuals for this on top of where it is. Yep, um, it's pretty much that's the illusion. That's really happens. interesting because that that lets you do all sorts of interesting magic without messing with what's there. Yep, the little uh, pink label is a custom element. The selected bounds is a custom element. Um, the the, ooh, the, yeah, the okay, yeah. it's everything's a custom element. It's really fun. Um, they've been that really a pleasure to work with. Well, I've been building with them for a long time too. So I was, this isn't my first rodeo with web components. Cool. Uh, well, maybe we can dig into a little bit there. Uh, but if you want, I'll keep doing my quick review. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, no worries. Uh, so then there's a Flexbox alignment tool, which <laughs> so cool. uh, it looks pretty cool. I think if I didn't already have a mental model for Flexbox, it would probably be pretty confusing some of the pieces there. Mm. But... Yeah, give me a quick little breakdown. What unpack that for me? Um, or we could do it on the side. I don't know. We could we could burn through here too if we want. Also, actually, I'm not sure that it is. Uh, let me see. So the alignment feels very intuitive. Uh, I'm gonna just change things around. Like up, down, um, left, right, just to align it in a just like the Pathfinder tool. So if people are familiar with the Pathfinder tool and a design tool, imagine that hitting right took you from top left to top center, and you hit right again, and you're in the top right. And you hit down, you're in the center uh, of the far right middle. And you hit left, and now you're in center center. It sort of abstracts away flex start, flex end, align items, yeah. justify content. It's just sort of like you don't have to care. And it does distribution okay, too. So I don't know if you've seen that one. So I shift, was just left playing right, with that. 
And I did something the other day. Um, I was looking at somebody's website. They had a LI list and they had numbers in there. And it was like a list of like 50 items. And the numbers were really hard to read because they were rag right. They were just at the end of the line of the content. So I clicked the LI. I clicked the link of the LI in the little label there, highlighted all of them, went to the flex tool and hit shift right and, sh and spread them space between. And now all of the numbers were brilliantly lined up for me to read in one row and all the text that it was related to was on the left. And it looked like magic to the person I'd done it. But all I did was with a keystroke did a flex space between. Cool. Yeah. I think the, the thing that I found unintuitive on that is that, uh, you know, manipulating distribution and direction only works on a subset of the things in my page. And I think you know, that has to do once again with that hidden structure of, you know, if it's just a list, great. And if it's not, well, it doesn't actually behave in the way that I want. Like this thing that looks like it should be able to shift in that way mm -hmm. um, is actually constructed differently. Um, yeah, it needs sort of a, a companion tool uh, that's that's set to come out as well, which is something to help me resize. You know, because, yeah, the, the flex tool, it feels unintuitive if you can't vertically center something, but that is probably because the container is at the same height of the content. So there is no concept right. of vertical centering there, right? So if you could change the height though, and you know, hit shift down and like, or shift up and increase the height of a container, and then use the align tool to sort of put it in the center of there, that might feel more about the relationship where you're like, I'm setting some space with the container and then I'm directing my children and I'm telling them how to behave. But yeah, nice. I, I feel you, I feel you, there is some, there's some oddities in there still. And also, here's a secret. I'm just going to say this on the air because I don't care. There's a huge bug in that tool that nobody has pointed out yet, which means that nobody's dug into it super deep. So here, ping me on Twitter if you find the, if you find the bug. I'm telling you, there's a massive bug there that's like a huge usability issue that nobody's complained about. Uh, I'll, I'll fix it. I've got an issue logged. But anyway, <laughs> ping me if you find it. The secret usability issues. Um, mm. Continuing on down, there's a hue shift and a uh, shadow applying tool. So each one you just put it on, you can sort of keystroke things. There is what looks like an absolute positioning. Yeah, I haven't played that, that, that one. So. Uh, that one is an escape hatch. That one's even for, that's like, look, uh, yeah. whoever's here and is trying to execute some sort of an idea and they're just like, look, the Dom is, is killing me or, or there's just, I just don't care. Maybe they just don't care. Right. And that, that's fine. And that tool just lets them, right. So you could go to a page, delete a whole bunch of stuff and then grab that absolute tool and move things around. Or you could just move things off the Dom viewport and then bring them back on and do entire rearranging stuff. Um, yeah, it's a, that's it's pretty interesting. Patch. Yeah, I it playing around with it. It works really well if I've got um, if I'm using the mouse, right? I grab it, click it. I can just drag an element to wherever the heck on the page, and it positions relative and gets it there. Um, mm -hmm. I found that if I use the keyboard stuff, it actually doesn't work um, very well. Yeah, because it's a little funky because you have to hold Alt to remove a top specifier. Yeah, if I if I go left and then I go right again, I would expect it to move back. And it doesn't yeah, uh, should, because it's applying that, left yeah. and right. It's applying uh, left and right. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. Like you have to hold alt and hit left to remove values from the left. So it's like, I agree. That one was following the consistency pattern of margin and it should, it should revert out of that and it should move into an X, Y coordinate. But yeah. I, that sounds like an easy fix too. I agree yeah. Simply here. probably yeah. just always manipulate left and top rather than doing left and right. Cause you end up with collisions. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's a I concur. font styles uh, where you can just sort of manipulate size alignment. Yeah. Fonts. Like, all the cur all the kerning and typography stuff is right there. Um, inline edit, which is of course super slick. Uh, search, which is kind of interesting. Um, you can search by uh, by selector. You can search by just like images or button, and it'll try to find stuff. Um, I did notice on there that once again, it's a place where not knowing the structure can make things unintuitive um mm -hmm. you know if i search for images it will highlight image tags but not divs with background images um which Ooh, feature requests so by, <laughs> real, real quick um you can drag an image over a background image with my tool i can drag an image over a background image it, i'm not it, sure it will so my tool if you drag an image onto the page and um there's a background image in in the space where you're where you're dragging to it will reverse so it'll crawl it'll traverse up the dom looking for a background image 
specif something specified. And if you drop, it'll swap it there. It's kind of the only magical thing that the tool does that that really like did somebody a favor as it crawls. Yeah, anyway. And that one's really cool because yeah, you can, basically you go to a home page and there's a big header there, right? And it's almost always a background image so that they can fit it to contain and some other sort of stuff, which right. made it which made it not available to be drag and dropped. And I'm like, well, that's 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 no fun. <laughs> but I want to be able to go to a homepage and be like, boom, I'm on the front page now, you know, or whatever it is that people are trying to do. Um, I'm on the front page now. <laughs> put my image there. I'll send you a, a screenshot of your website with me on it. Right. Uh, like, Mom, I'm on the New York Times uh, front page today. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the funny thing is, it's like originally when I was building this, I was like, I'm sort of en enabling people to troll and like be rude and maybe make f fake stuff. And then I was like, wait a sec, whoever made the firebug did this way before me. I just sort of made things a little easier, but I haven't really enabled as much destruction and chaos that you can cause as you can with the dev tools. So I don't feel bad about oh, it. Yeah. Yet. The fact is that the web, for, since its inception, has been one of the greatest trolling platforms ever created. So, and you are not the first. Trolls have Too dominated sure. the web for many years. I'm a, I'm excited that you've in your in your hover uh, descriptions on the palette as you hover on a tool, it will show you what the tool is about. And your little image that's like a GIF that shows it in action. It's got the DeLorean going on. It says Great Scott. So I think you have some good, uh, <laughs> you have some good taste at least. I'm a retro movies. nerd. I love, uh, yeah. I mean, I want a floating skateboard. That'd be so cool. Don't we all? Don't we all? Well, and especially we want that little pizza that you put in the microwave and it comes out of big pizza. I mean, <laughs> come on, yes, future, please. where are you? So wait, real quick on that search tool. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple keywords in there you can say, right? Like images and text. And basically I mm -hmm. have a little hash map that says like, what is text? And I look for spans or whatever. So uh, that code is all totally visible. But there are some insanely rad plans for that search tool. And I want to share them with you really quick because it is a power zone that is uh, soon to be. It's, I, I keep pitching it similar to Alfred. Did you both use Alfred? Oh, no. Uh, also, okay. I just tried to write text and it hung my Chrome tab. <laughs> yeah, I'm not That's surprised. That's hilarious because I'm, I'm in the exact same scenario where I was like, did my computer just freeze up? Because I just tried to type the word text into this thing. Uh, no offense, but we definitely have a 1.0 here. This is a... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this, is, is this is like early access. I'm calling it like it's stable, but feature incomplete. But yeah, so you have access to query selector all there and you can totally do destructive things. And so, yeah, the text one, if your DOM is huge, that's a big crawl. Um, but anyway, uh, Alfred was a sort of spotlight uh, replacement. It was like a spotlight enhancement. It's almost like slash commands. Actually, here, let's think of it in terms of slack, uh, slash commands. That search bar, think about doing translate to German. And what I do is I would take translate to as a registered string as a, um, and then there's someone would register a function for that. So if somebody puts that query in, I'll pass German to their function and pass the DOM to that function and let that function do whatever it needs to to translate things to German. And I want to do things in the accessibility realm. Basically, I want slash commands in that search thing that dynamically import a function that applies something to the DOM, which makes it very open-ended and extremely powerful for people to do really cool custom stuff. So there's been uh, desires for um, focus all things on page with a focus ring. So in one view, I can see what are tabbable nodes. And I could see them in one view. Another one would be, show me what it would look like to a keyboard uh, navigator who's blind. And so the whole DOM would flatten and become one column. And you could see it in one visual forest view of what your accessibility might look like to someone without initializing a tool that has to crawl it and speak it for you. You could sort of preview these things. Um, so anyway, that's the teaser I wanted to share is that there's a couple of magic words now, but the goal is... Uh, to add a whole bunch of new keywords in that search thing. So while it's also programmatic selection, it can be um, programmatic manipulation and simulation so that the chaos can be brought to the designer so the designer can have and feel power in that moment. It's about giving designers the ability to simulate and empathize and tools to make decisions on top of that. that that's, a, that's a core belief. Thank you. 
This episode is brought to you by our friends over at .tech, a new top-level domain extension to consider when purchasing your next domain for your next big idea. .tech is a domain extension specifically intended for the tech community. And more often than not, I don't know about you, but when I search for a URL to consider for a big idea, the .com, the .net, and many others are already taken or they're quite costly to register. So with one year starting at $4.99 and five years starting at $24.99, when you use our special code changelog, they're super affordable to grab, snag, and use. Head to get.tech to get started. Once again, get.tech to get started and use our code changelog or click through using the link in the show notes. And by our friends over at DigitalOcean. What we love most about DigitalOcean is one-click installs, deploys that are super easy. It doesn't really require you to know much about a server to get up and running. One-click installs for Node.js to an SSD cloud server in literally 55 seconds or even less. And the same experience you can have with a one-click install, you can have with pretty much anything you build out by taking a snapshot of your droplet. You can build out the best JavaScript app-friendly server and literally deploy it with no time at all. Manage your own stuff, run your own stuff, deploy it to DigitalOcean and make life easy for you. Head to do.co slash changelog, pay less, deploy more, build better web apps with DigitalOcean and a free $100 credit. Once again, do.co slash changelog. So Adam, we talked about empowerment and you're definitely all about designers. I'm going to bring the, the, the question, maybe it's the lazy question, maybe it's the silly question, the one that you mentioned every software engineer upon looking at your tool asks, I just got to ask because it's the first thing I thought. And so I'm very cliche and fitting into stereotypes, but I thought, how do you actually get this information back out? I mean, I feel like that's empowerment is I'm a designer. I go to the web page, I click on the margin tool, right? I hit the up arrow three times and those margins look way better. How do I actually communicate that then back to whoever's doing the development? Hey, you know, I can't tell them margin up three times. You know, the cool thing wait, about wait, wait. dev tools is you can just, you know, you can hit, you can say, Hey, three more pixels. And then they go ahead and do it. But, um, all this manipulation is awesome. That was your first question. Cause my first question was, when are there going to be Vim bindings? Oh, Ooh, that's a much nerdier question. Or, or, or one of mine is, is I really want multiple cursors in the DOM. Oh. I want to be able to double click my brand name, hit command D, find all instances and rename it. What would you rename your brand? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something super cool because well, naming is so easy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like those are these are just fun features. Yeah. Yeah, we all have uh, our own questions. I appreciate Adam that you ask yourself things like, "When am I going to be able to do this?" Self. <laughs> um, but I mean, for me, that's the first thing I think is, is where do we actually? How can is that a, go, a design goal of this tool? It's just not there yet. Is it there? Oh, I don't yeah. see it. Like, let's get the data back out to people because that's empowerment, right? I, I agree. And so, yeah, that is. It's a really popular question, and um, it's not. Um, it's totally an engineer question. Like most designers who see it, they're like, "How do I get into the sketch?" Mm, I just want to leave that the on the way. table. Yeah, I just want to leave that on the table. But I like uh, that. the tool that's, does. That's a good the, question too. I agree. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. In fact, actually, we do have <laughs> ideas there. Um, we have ideas like publish to gallery. Uh, do you guys know what gallery is? No, it's Google's recently released envision sort of tool. You post comps, you can have conversations about them. The version management of the comps are up there and that sort of thing. So the idea would be you go to production, you manipulate it, you push it to the same place that you were pushing your comps before production existed. And now, uh, instead of you managing some uncanny artboard, right, where you're like chasing production with your design tool which never matches up one-to-one. -one. And usually you have to dumb your work down from your design tool for the one that was on the, in production. You now can just go straight to production, make a manipulation and push an image up to a screenshot sharing tool or just wherever you guys are having conversations about designs and have the conversation right there. But let's talk about how to get the code out because there are other, uh, there are more things I'm, I'm going to build for designers, but I want to talk about how to get the code out. So right now there is one way. It's I call it crude, even though it's it's fine. And if you think about how you get your code out of DevTools, it's crude. Right? What do you do? Sometimes you select more than one line of CSS and paste it. Uh, or if you're in JavaScript land and you're in the console, like you, I do this all the time because uh, eager evaluation is basically a DOM REPL now. I'm, I'm 
infatuated with it. So I'll do a lot of work right there in the console. Uh, you know, I'll get a whole functional chain working and I'll grab it and I'll paste it in my editor and skip a whole bunch of work. So, but it's still copy paste, right? I'm still like doing my work yeah. in the environment and then I copy my values out. Okay, so how does that work with Visbug today? Visbug has the, we talked about the inspector tool. It's like a style inspector. That style inspector tool, if you've made a modification to the page, will report the modification. So mm. in addition to that, if you hold alt and you click that style, uh, it basically puts it there like a sticky. It pins it. So you can pin those style cards. So consider this scenario. You've gone to production. You, you bumped up the font size of the header. Uh, you bumped down uh, some margin over here. And you did a couple of tweaks and tweezes. You changed some text colors. Now you go back to your style inspector tool. You hover over those nodes and you hold alt and you click. You hold alt and you click. You hold on, you click. Now in that scenario, depending on if you're a designer or an engineer, you're gonna have a next step. If you're an engineer, uh, you could just copy the values right out of there, just as sort of you do traditionally. If you're a designer, what I'm pitching them is screenshot that and make the best JIRA ticket that they've ever seen. Give them a JIRA ticket that says, I modified it, it should look like this, here's the values that I want. Anyway, that's the current crude way. There's uh, better ways coming, um, and I can talk about a couple of them. Do you want to chat about those? All right, yeah, go ahead. Oh, man, how much can I tell you? Tell us the secrets, Adam. Yeah, one of my original pitches. Okay, so are you all familiar with the Changes tab in the DevTools? No. Are you cable? Changes? No. So it basically shows a diff of what you've done in CSS in the DevTools right now. It's really cool. Um, and so I, when I was pitching it to the Chrome team, I was like, yo, okay. So I went in, I modified a page with Visbug, uh, and then I go down to the changes tab and the changes tab shows a diff of all my work. And then I hit export and the export takes a screenshot before and after of each node, creates a diff, puts it in a zip and I ship that to the dev and they'll get this bundle of, uh, changes requested with like values in it that they want. And this like interesting diff with a, with visual. And that's what I pitched them. And they were like, Oh yeah, that, uh, that changes tab. You're like the only one that uses it. <laughs> where, I don't, where, where is, is this changes tab? I, I want it. <laughs> right. I want to use, I want okay. to go to there. Uh, Bottom I, console I drawer, it. hit the snowman. Yes. Yeah, in the snowman next to the console. What snowman next to the console? Are we using uh, the same three, tools? The you three and I? dots, the three dots, the three vertical dots. Okay, that's a snowman. I, you know, it's a snowman, sure. Well, a snowman usually the small, the lower dots are bigger. <laughs> just FYI. Okay, uh, more tools. Hey, maybe changes. Yeah, changes. Yeah. So then Ch go into the DevTools. Changes. Go to the Elements panel and manipulate some CSS through the Elements panel. And go back to the changes, and you'll see what you did. You gotta be kidding. In me. case you forgot, right? That's I think the major. I think the big value there was like, oh crap! I tweaked so much stuff. I don't really remember what was there. You know, like, please, tool, could you surface something for me? And boom, there it is. Um, it's all rolled up for you in a nice little, and it looks like a diff, right? It's super cool. So I was like, let's leverage that. Plus, um, let's imagine we're using that case so we ship this zipped diff off. Okay, well, here's cool idea number two because local overrides is really cool. What if I go to my bank's website, I enable local overrides, I modify it because it looks like crap and I make it look a lot better, at least more tailored to my own experience. I save those changes as local overrides and every time I visit that webpage, my styles are reapplied. Mm, and they were like, nice. you dream real big. <laughs> mm, uh, I went, so I'm going to put on my skeptics hat again because I'm a big skeptic on this. Because they're going to change their exactly. stuff and you're going to be back out there with the snowman again. Well, and looking, so I, looking at the changes tab for the first time, um, you know, I just went to my website to try it out and tinkered and yeah, I get a diff of all of the minified CSS, um, which is all in one line. And so my diff is this unreadable blob where 99.99% Wait, does it have the curly bracket in the bottom left that'll pretty print? Uh, nope. Ooh, lame. I was looking for that too. It's at least useful in development though, Cable, so... Uh, yeah, it might be. And the, the diff I, breaks it out of the one line though, right? I can't remember. Uh, no, it's all one line because I'm looking at ours and it's just like one super yeah. Well, line. hey, here, here's my tip. If This if is why they this is valuable, let's push it. Down yeah. in the corner. Well, no, and that's what I'm saying too. It's like no one uses it, so they're not really enhancing it. Like if we find this right. thing to be valuable, start using it and start complaining. Um, it's it's yeah. there. I mean, it's I not, think yeah. the, the big picture question, once again, coming back to this is the web... And the way that the web renders is structure dependent. 
but the visual changes that we are making are like the 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 structure is different from the visual structure right like the the rendered visual can have a completely different conceptual model for somebody just looking at that and trying to manipulate it than mm-hmm. the underlying code yeah. um, and so to me and you know that becomes more and more true as we move to more and more complex front ends right like old school vanilla html css websites you're gonna get pretty close um, today you know if you look at somebody's react code the layers of components the layers of higher order components the way that stuff is getting composed together like if i make a change right now that depends on the current rendered structure of this html like that can be dramatically different tomorrow because we shifted things around right and so understanding you're making that jump that map to me highlights or like thinking about the fact that that uh, of that change is going to in my mind guide where is the tool going to be really useful and where is it not yeah let's talk about that really quick because this tool is not trying to empower advanced google developers or advanced react engineers it's i mean the way that they work yeah this is kind of conflicting with that and um and to me that's okay because these folks who have and are doing these modern development uh, strategies have a a pile of tools already and you know who don't is the 90% of the web that's building um, things not with those tools. I know that these things are really, really important to us right now, but Visbug is is very much not trying to give more power to the people that already have a ton. Well, I'm just thinking about the designers working with those people, right? Like if I'm a designer right. working with a React team, I mean, <laughs> I'm, well, here, let's talk either about I'm having quick. to yeah. learn a lot about React, uh, which some designers are, right? Like if you, you know, there's more and more folks saying you know design level should be a component library that is a set of react components but uh, yeah there's there that gap is in many ways widening so that's okay good call this is i think this segues into this empowerment conversation we wanted to have so um there's i see two drastically types of design tools that need to come out one is extremely complex and robust and designers are getting in and they're like contributing to the engine they're understanding the system that system level design understanding right and if you think about that too that's also very much applicable to like certain teams that that's valuable to the opposite spectrum is what visbug did visbug is like i need something that goes in there and just doesn't care that's why like in the demo i call it punk rock because if it's react or angular or basically if there's dom on the screen Visbug will let you feel like you clicked it and it'll write some inline styles on it. And if the framework behind there, um, you know, should have got some, you know, rem value from the designer, you can have a conversation where maybe they, they go from Visbug into framework X or whatever. Um, but I don't, I've wanted to empower people who just currently feel like there's so many barriers between their mental decisions that they want to make about that page and then getting it done. So for example, like, yeah, you, you know, margin and padding and spacing in a design system, those are actually complex problems to solve, right? Because mm-hmm. one change may impact a drastic other set of things. And there's also real quick, I, I, I'm surprised developers like this tool because I've given uh, a whole bunch of people the ability to like look under the covers of what you've been doing like really easily. Um, but yeah, one of these things is that designers should be able to go in there and just be like, look, this just needs to be a bigger font size. And I don't care about your system. You care about the system. And I'm glad you care about this system, homie, because that's the relationship we have. You want me to be visual and build something that's elegant and fits across various screens and is respectful to accessibility. You like the system. And many of us just want to do the visual. So I built something that was on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. It's like, I ignore all complexity. I go direct to source and I poke it and I just move it. And I don't really, at this point, it doesn't care about implementation details. Um, And so, yeah, that part of its empowerment is I'm trying to empower pretty much everyone else. Because those really, really advanced tools are very isolated and secluding feeling. They're extremely powerful, but they're very complex and they have very specific use cases. And yes, it's meaningful. Our industry needs that. I totally agree. That's why it's saturated. But what's not saturated is simple tools that help a designer or developer facilitate a new type of conversation. We were talking earlier, like, as a, I, I have this like vision of a designer calling over a dev, like, ultimately. Um, hey, I, I was 
trying to modify this thing and, and it's not doing it with this bug. I, I don't know why. Can you help me? And the dev steps over and they open up the dev tools and they like inspect it with the more rich uh, feedback that they get from there. And they're like, ah, I see this little thing here. Um, let me help you understand just this small thing about the DOM. And now your designer and your engineer have a common ground and they're sort of like mutually interested in this thing called the DOM because what we've done is we've not made an abstraction, which is what most of these other design tools do. They have to abstract. Um, and you know, that's what a design tool is like sketch is an abstraction. They're both in the end environment. This is like the first tool where like designers feel like some sort of like tinker tools in the end environment and developers can come in and be like, yeah, let me help you understand what this end environment is. Isn't it kind of weird? Um, and, and so I, I really hope that this helps designers grow and get more interested. I originally pitched Vizbug as a gateway drug into the, um, the elements panel as well. I want them to feel like they've got a lot, but they don't have it all. And that now it's a little less scary once they've ramped into some DOM. Instead of no DOM to like all the DOM, it's like, here's some, and now you can go get deeper if, if you're interested. So this is, this raises kind of an interesting question. Um, and this is a question that, you know, I think is, is worth talking about for designers, which is the extent to which we should expect designers to, uh, who are designing for the web to understand HTML and CSS. Mm -hmm. um, I worked for about a year and a half at a design studio called Zurb, where every single designer codes HTML and CSS. That's part of what you do. And on the one hand, you know, it's saying, okay, we're going to force all of our designers to become unicorns, right? That's problematic. Uh, you know, we keep raising the expectation and raising the bar. On the other hand, there's this sort of question of knowing the medium for what you're working for, right? Like you wouldn't expect somebody to design for print who has never worked, like doesn't understand paper and ink and thinking about those things. Um, you wouldn't expe expect somebody to become an architect with having never seen construction materials and worked with them a little bit. And you don't have to be an expert, but you know, it really you helps you know, to know a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You should know the medium that you're working with. And so, you know, I kind of, you know, if we view, this tool is an entree into that. I think that's that's really valuable. I almost wonder if you can push people even more to the dev tools and push people even more to that. You know, hey, I noticed that you're uh, manipulating the margins on this. Let's actually open up that dev tools tab and show you yes. what that looks like in the box model. Yes, um, you know, because I think right? the you know, the more we like, we want to keep it simple. We want to not expose people to more than they have to be exposed to. Um, but, you know, in the name of empowering designers, if you're trying to empower designers for the web, the most empowering thing you can do is help them understand HTML and CSS. And maybe JavaScript, though I think that's actually less key for, for a lot of the visual piece. Um, if you start talking about interaction design, that's another whole layer where JavaScript is super well, helpful. And I'm hoping but. that this basically, since this is the first open source tool for designers, and there's probably others, but this one is based on JavaScript and it lives in the end environment. And that's really unique because the designers don't get that opportunity to shape a tool. They generally get a tool rained down on them and then they get a bunch of marketing that's like, you should use this tool and give me 500 freaking bucks uh, because I built it for you. Isn't it awesome? You can't build your own stuff. So here, pay me because I built it for you. And that's been working and, um, and it's fine. But this was especially interesting in that I want designers to shape this themselves. I'm like dying to like tell designers, like go to GitHub and I don't necessarily want you to fork code, but I want you to go dream in issues. And I want some rando in the world to fulfill your dream. And I want designers to know what open source is like. I want them to help build their own tool um, because they don't, they don't have that opportunity. And you're right. I, I, I hope that this is a spark. I hope that this is the start of what Firebug did. And we see this proliferation of additional tools where uh, somebody does, you mentioned an interaction tool, please, someone out there, if you're listening, copy what Vizbug did and make a really rad inline, in the end environment interaction tool. It's not impossible. The DOM is a phenomenal renderer and you can do really cool things with it. Somebody push that. And so I want this, like, that's the goal here. I want the design community to realize that they, they could if they went there 
and I want them to get a taste and hopefully it makes them hungry and then they start having feasts. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. But I'm hoping that since it's on built on JavaScript, a designer can be like, you know, having drinks with a friend like, man, I went and logged this issue and um, I would really like this feature, but I don't write any JavaScript. And their homies like, well, I, I write JavaScript. Let me build that for you. Right. And like they go in there and they they execute the thing. And all of a sudden, two people are working together again. They're like building a tool for themselves, but then they realize other people want it too. And open source is so awesome, right? You you both know this with like the fiery passion of a thousand suns, right? But designers don't. How do we share? <laughs> how do we share that like that moment? How do we share that feeling and that that community and that core that just that Mm, anyway, <laughs> you, had a, you had at least at least a thousand suns of fiery passion, right there, which we definitely appreciate. So, how do we do for designers what many of the tools, open source, dev have tools, for dev. these things inside the web browser have yes. done for developers? What a great question! Yes. Hey, what a great first att- attempt. Uh, this is very Thank cool. You. I'm glad that we could give you some uh, live first impressions, some bug reports in our chat room. There's there's feature requests happening. Cable, I think maybe you need to pop open GitHub and fork this repo and, and contribute. You have so many uh, awesome suggestions. Oh, we didn't for talk Adam. about architecture Adam. either, did we? Oh man, whatever. We'll get there. No, we didn't. We'll have to have you. We'll have to have you come back on. But uh, we're hitting up against our bumper of time. So final words from you uh, about the Vizbug, about what you're trying to do. Maybe a call to action for people who are interested. Uh, what's your final words for us in the community? Yeah, final words. Hey, uh, developers, go show your designers what this can do. Go double click some text and don't stop at your designers. I want you to go show your PMs. I want you to go show your UX writers, your content writers, anybody that participates in your front end. I want them to feel like they can go understand and inspect and feel like they can tweak this. And designers, and this is the other thing I want you to tell those designers, go make a GitHub account. Go put an issue on this repo and go watch what happens as other people want that feature too and start to get involved in GitHub. I want designers on GitHub. There you go. That's sort of the final thing. Designers on GitHub. Amen. You know, working with designers who learned to code was so empowering for them. And, you know, the more they got into it, the more excited they were about doing more of it. And particularly, once again, HTML and CSS like it feels like this big barrier to go and learn this thing, but they the conceptual models for HTML and CSS are not that different from your visual models. Like JavaScript, learning to do things imperatively, all that stuff, that can be a big mental leap, um, though it's not as bad as I think it sometimes gets perceived to be. But just to the level of starting to play with the medium, starting to play with HTML and CSS, like it will open the world to you. Completely agree. Couldn't say it better myself, which is this is just lowering the bar. So you get a little bit of taste of what the DOM is and hopefully that you get hungrier and hungrier and then you can be participating in richer and richer ways in the process. Designers make more decisions. Let's get you in there. Let's get you in there indeed. Well, that is our show, folks. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you on the other side. All right. Thank you for tuning in to JS Party this week. Tune in live on Thursdays at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time during the shows. Head to changelaw.com slash community. And do us a favor. Share this show with a friend. Read us an Apple podcast. Go into Overcast and favorite it. And thank you to Fastly, our bandwidth partner. Head to fastly.com to learn more. And we move fast to fix things right here at ChangeLaw because of Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com. We're hosted on Leno Cloud Servers. Head to leno.com slash changelog. Check them out and support this show. Our music is produced by Breakmaster Cylinder. And you can find more shows just like this at changelog.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.